Hey, what letter did you learn about in preschool this week? Um, D. What what words start with D? D, D dinosaur. Do you remember who the president is? Trump. Trump, that's right. And what's his first name? President. <laughs> his first name's Donald. What does Donald start with? D, D, D. Welcome to Dad to Do the News. This is episode nine. Uh, this is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Isaac. Isaac, how are you doing? Good, and good morning to you, Dave. Good morning to you, too. It's bright and early. Now, we normally record our podcast in the evening. We're doing a morning recording today because we did record it in the evening, but I was in the cursed city of Kingman, Arizona, and my audio went bad, and I didn't know it. So, normally we do these in one take. Uh, this is our second take this time around, so we'll see if practice makes perfect or if it just makes boring. I'm pretty uh, excited because I'm going to improve on all of my insights and jokes. Well, we certainly hope so. Um, so I'm back from Kingman, uh, back in the lovely metropolis of Mesquite. Um, man, did you know, incidentally, Isaac, that Tucson is not a suburb of, of Phoenix? I did. It's like two hours away. Two and a half. Um, I was rudely disabused of the notion that Tucson is a suburb of Phoenix this week because I drove to Tucson thinking that it would be just outside of Phoenix. And I didn't, I thought my map, map, not map quest, my uh, GPS device was like wrong when I was still driving an hour after I'd been through <laughs> <Phoenix>. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, uh, it is within spitting distance of the Mexican border. Right, right. right. And that's what I, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I drive much further, I'm going to go to Mexico. And yeah, literally, if you'd <laughs> driven any further, you would have gone to Mexico. Right. I, the one time I've been to Tucson, I went there with a cousin of mine who lives in Arizona. And we drove down to tour an old nuclear missile silo that is in, just outside of Tucson. Did you know that's there? Um, I think you've told me this story before, but I'd I'd come as most things you tell me, I'd completely forgotten it until you. We just should have talked about it yesterday because it is was one of the coolest things I've ever toured. It's got all the original equipment still there. the The missile is still there. It doesn't have any fuel or. A war nuclear head. warhead anymore right but the missile's still in the silo it's set up exactly as it would have been during the height of the cold war you get to sit at the launch console and turn the keys and push the buttons to initiate launch sequence oh, that's so cool. awesome yeah but what if an evil mastermind refilled the rocket and you american citizens set it off that would suck yeah yeah i mean i guess that's a real worry. If they get, if they do get their hands on a nuclear warhead, my biggest concern is that they will refuel and put it on the abandoned <laughs> in missile a, silo in Tucson, in a, Arizona, in a museum <laughs> item. <laughs> that's right. Like this is just, it's totally like uh, some. It's like something uh, Doctor Evil would do. I was just going to say uh, Doctor Evil. <laughs> from, um, yeah. So is it a Saturn V or whatever? I don't know. Because that's big. That's a big missile. Oh, yeah, it was huge. It was a huge missile. I, I can't remember, but it was a lot of fun. Cool. Um, yeah, my, miss, my missile's as big as yours. Um, so, yeah, we're doing our second take, and so we, we do apologize, incidentally, to uh, those of our listeners who have been up all night wondering 
where our podcast is at. Just refreshing and refreshing and refreshing. Yeah, <laughs> all of them. Um, I also have a little bit of a cold, so if I sound like I'm sniffly, well, I am. Uh, but that's not going to stop us from the news because the news does go on, especially when President Trump Trump is involved. Because if you don't catch a crisis when it happens, you're going to miss it because we'll have moved on to the next crisis. And we're just about behind this crisis, but um, I want to mention it and we're going to talk about it briefly, which is last Saturday, Trump sent out this crazy, insane tweet that he had just found out that President Obama had tapped his phone. Not... not the United States Justice Department, not the Central Intelligence Agency, not the FBI, but President Obama had tapped his phone lines. Um, yeah. I, so forgive me. Oh, I hate it when I have to do this. Forgive me for defending Trump a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. I think a tweet is, given that it's limited to 140 characters, I think in Trump's mind, saying Obama tapped his phone would probably be equivalent to the Obama Justice Department tapping his phone. True, in his mind it would, but I think that shows um, a, a stunning lack of knowledge about how president, uh, how how administrations work. Because in most administrations, there is a very very strict uh, wall of demarcation between the political aspects of the administration and the executive aspects of the administration. And one of the things yep. that made the Nixon crisis so terrible is Nixon not only breached that wall, he never built a wall in the first place. And so um, from what I was reading, one of the things that were most offensive to President Obama in this tweet is that if the Justice, even if the Justice Department had tapped uh, Trump's phones um, or the Trump Organization's phones or something like that, um, he personally would have had nothing to do with it and probably no knowledge of it, right? Right. Um, or, you know, if he had found out about it, he would have said, oh, my gosh, I don't want to hear anything more about this. If you feel you need to inv- do this investigation, you know, if public safety demands it, then whatever. But I don't want to hear about it. Um, you, you know, you may maintain that line of demarcation. So that's craziness number one. Um even more crazy, though, is ever since he made that tweet, basically everyone around him who has any communication or ties with him has been refusing to talk about it at all. Yeah, well, because there's absolutely no evidence of it. And uh, several people have made basically the observation that this there's really no way that this can end well for Trump. Either the allegations are true or they're false. If they're false and he made the allegation with no evidence, then that's just absurd. It's not totally out of keeping from what we know Trump does, but it's still just like insane, right? That a sitting president would accuse a former one of such malfeasance with no evidence. With absolutely or, no evidence whatsoever. No evidence. None offered at least, right? Um, or the allegations are true, which would mean that probably there was a FICA court order or some other determination by the FBI that illegal activity was potentially happening happening at Trump Tower during the campaign. And that's also not great for Trump because it means either he or one of his close associates was determined to warrant a wiretap. So it's really a lose-lose for Trump, save one possibility, which is the one that I predict, which is that this is going to be another thing that everyone rolls their eyes at and moves on. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Um, this this latest tweet was so sweeping in its the the seriousness of the allegation, the directness of the allegation, and the complete lack of proof. It it appears people have gone back and looked to see what was uh, on Breitbart, 
at the at, in or around the time the tweet was made, and there was an, a comment made by a fellow named I think it's Mark Levine, kind of raising the possibility um, or kind of insinuating that such such had happened, and it, it appears based on the timeline that that may be where Trump got uh, his quote proof for this allegation, which if if so is, I mean I've. Speak of tail wagging the dog. I mean, that's that's insanity that that a president with the vast and I don't think Trump realizes the resources he has at his disposal. I mean, if he yes, wanted exactly. to, if he wanted to know whether or not his phones had been tapped, all he has to do is call the director of the CIA and the director of the FBI and say, "I want you to look and see if Trump, the Trump organization's uh, communications were tapped at any point over the last decade," and they would say, "Okay, Mr. President, we'll let you know tomorrow." Yeah, I read this rather disturbing to me article, I think in, I don't know, Washington Post or something. I read most of my news on Google News, so I'm usually kind of unaware of what news source directly I'm getting it from. But um, So Google is controlling you. Yeah, Google is controlling my information. But this article talked about, it, it tracked a morning of Trump's tweets and basically posited that he was watching Fox and Friends that morning because you could track like the the time that Fox and Friends covered a certain topic and then Trump tweeted about a certain topic like right afterwards. Yeah. And it seemed really clear and it, he was not tweeting directly at them. He was using things they said as fact. And it, it's, it is disturbing that a president who has the most resources of any person in the world at his disposal to understand what's true and what's not is relying on cable news and Talk, internet news. Talking heads on cable. Not, I mean, reporters would even have a slightly better, I would say, information base than just talking heads on, an, on a, a commentary program. But those guys, I mean, they're better educated and better looking than us. But Fox yeah. and Friends is basically dads do the news. I agree. Uh, maybe worse than dads <laughs> do the news. But well, I'm in my house, my, my house robe. At least they wear suits. <laughs> but even if he was reading something in the New York Times, a well-sourced, well-reported article, blah, 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 he if he's going to tweet about something like that or take some official communication from his administration, it behooves a president to circle the wagons, figure out what they know for sure, right, before they start making these things. He just... But this is why I think that Trump, that people will mostly shrug and move on, maybe not 100%, but... People just don't take Trump seriously, and especially people are learning not to take his tweets seriously. And as long as everyone in the world learns that lesson simultaneously, then we might be okay. But if one country, let's just say hmm, Russia or China, or North doesn't Korea. get the memo, yeah, doesn't get the memo that the president's tweets should just basically be ignored, it's basically his id spilling out onto the internet. Um, if one person misses that memo, it can cause huge problems. So it, it's very concerning to me. Yeah, no, I agree. And and what will happen the one time he issues a tweet and that's like his like basis for declaring war or something? Like maybe he is serious in a tweet. I don't know. It's it's, it's so disturbing and, and, well, and so troubling. One thing that we haven't talked about or that I haven't heard discussed much about this tweet is part of what makes it disturbing is the fact that he is accusing his immediate political predecessor. And that is the stuff of, um, you know, this is what strong men do when they get into power. And I'm not, I don't know that Trump's going that way, but this is one of those little drip drip pieces of evidence where it's sort of like, Hey, new president comes in. 
starts accusing the former president of illegal activity. It's it breaks democratic norms very strongly. Yeah, and I mean it's like to me at least it's like gosh, Donald, did you see the the employment report that just came out? If you think you had anything to do with that, you're insane. By the time that information comes out, it's a month old. You weren't a president a month ago. I mean, well, he was actually a president a month ago, but but you see where I'm going with this. He was yeah. handed a, a great economy, um a, a decent federal budget. Um, you know, I mean, say what you will about the Obama administration and liberals in general, the time, the timing of Trump taking the presidency could not have been better. Um, so for him to be, to be lashing out and I don't know, the, 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 he had, Obama, President Obama is not his enemy. I, I think he is his own enemy. So anyway, um, the other interesting thing is I was, uh, watching or reading the news yesterday and apparently the press has not yet let go of this one because, um, there was a little press junket yesterday about something else completely and a reporter from a major network, I think it was ABC, asked, he was, he, he you know, he got, he got called on and he said, okay, so does the administration yet have any administ- uh, evidence that we can present to the American people that the Obama administration tapped your phone? Ignored him. Next. Next. He kept asking. <laughs> he kept asking. He, he started, he, he, he would not stop asking. And so the press was ushered out of the room. So typical, typical Trump. Yeah. But I agree. You're right that uh, Trump got some presidents get lucky. And right now, at least Trump is lucky when it comes to the economy. But yeah, should we move on to uh, health care reform? Let's, let's let's do. Um, so the Republicans introduced their Obamacare repeal and replace legislation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's I mean, it's actually specific. That's one thing that you can give it. And because I just want to briefly cover some of the specifics in the law, because I think there is a lot of kind of uh, confusion out there about what it actually says and what it's actually trying to do. And so, I want to you. I want to be clear here before you do this. This is not talking points. This is not a uh, a Fox and Friends uh, discussion point. There is actually a bill up on Capitol Hill. Right? Yes. Okay. And this is what it says according <laughs> to my research. I have not read it. It is over a thousand pages, and I have a hard time finishing a book that long. Okay. Um, so. How does it differ from Obamacare is, I think, the most pertinent question, and that's kind of how I'm going to frame it and answer it. So first, it keeps most of the very popular provisions in Obamacare. Um, First, it uh, requires that insurance companies continue to offer coverage to people with pre-existing conditions. You cannot penalize someone either uh, either for the premium or just coverage items based on what their pre-existing conditions are. Second is that children can continue to stay on their parents' health care plan until age 26. Um, and that also bans lifetime limits on health insurance payouts. So those were very popular things. It's not a surprise that uh, Republicans decided to keep those because they want to be reelected. It also removes the least popular provision in the old law, which was the mandate to buy health insurance. That would be gone. You, no one's required to buy health insurance. It continues to provide subsidies, but it does that in a different way uh, than Obamacare did. And this is sort of a classic like Democrat versus Republican, liberal versus conservative way of doing things. Obamacare basically directly provided money to people to help them buy insurance. It basically helped you pay your premium to the insurance company. 
Whereas uh, the well, new it, law, it, it didn't cut checks to the the insured. It cut checks to the insurance company on behalf of the insured, or at least yes, it was supposed yeah. to. Yeah, that's right. The new law, however, replaces that with refundable tax credits. This means when you file your taxes based on your income and how many children you have and whatever their formula is, you will qualify for a refundable tax credit to help you purchase insurance. The refundable part means that even if you don't have a tax burden, so you don't make enough to owe federal taxes, this is money that could still be given to you from the government. And the Tea Party uh, representatives hate that. Yes, that this th- that's the sticking the main sticking point where conservative Republicans are attacking the law from the right. Um, yeah. Um, so at, the idea for Medicaid. Oh, go ahead. Okay, for Medicaid changes, um, a lot of Obama's law was uh, increased coverage through an expansion of Medicaid. They increased the limit of who can qualify for Medicaid. So. Under Obamacare, you could qualify if you were anywhere below 138% of the poverty line. The new law would eliminate that. Um, I assume it would go back to 100% of the poverty poverty line. Not right but away, though, right? Not right away. It doesn't. It wouldn't phase out until starting in 2020. And even then, anyone on Medicaid at the higher level could stay on Medicaid, either until they got above 138%. Or if they fell off Medicaid for any other reason, like they just forgot to reapply, then any new people would have to be up below 100% of the poverty line. So it would it would slowly phase out the Medicaid expansion. Right. And so I think it, it bears mentioning that the point, part of the point, I mean, part of the point of the Medicaid expansion was uh, uh, accumulating political points. But I think the, the, the substantive policy issue is that there is a group of people um, for whom health insurance remains out of reach. It's just they they, they cannot afford it. Uh, it's either you know buy food or 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 gas for my car or health insurance. And of course you wouldn't choose health insurance. And and that gap uh, was filled with the expansion of Medicaid. And so um, I think a lot of people think of that as well. Okay, fewer poor people will have insurance. But the point of expanding it to 138 percent of the poverty level is you catch those people who we don't traditionally think of as, quote, poor, but who they can't afford insurance. And and that was where a lot of the 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 un, uncompensated emergency room visits and, and other medical services that were expended but for which no payment was received, that's where a lot of them came from. So it wasn't just about handing out benefits to 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 poor folks who who you know vote Democrat? It it was about closing that gap between the un, in the uninsured people. So at least there's an argument to be made that that expansion actually benefited the entire system, not just the people who got the handout. Yeah, I I don't really I'm not a health policy expert, so I in some ways I'm not. I wish I could offer more critical discussion about exactly some of the specifics, but I do want to get to this one thought, um, which is that I. I fail to really see how this new law is really that much of a dramatic departure from Obamacare. And here are the reasons why. The foundational ideas of both laws is exactly the same, which is the government is going to provide both a carrot and a stick to try to convince everyone to start buying insurance, even if they're buying on the private marketplace. Now, there's a bit of a change. In Obamacare, the carrot was the subsidies. Uh, that that would go to the insurance companies. Um, in the new law, the potential law from Republicans, 
the carrot is this refundable tax credit. Now, in classic Republican fashion, the difference with a refundable tax credit, you could spend that on anything, right? Uh, It's sort of like, let's let the people decide what they want to do, whereas the Obamacare one, it went directly to the insurance companies. As for the stick, it's also different. In Obamacare, there was a tax penalty that if you did not have insurance, qualifying insurance uh, during a calendar year, you would be fined. In the the new law, there is not call it Ryan Care. Let's let's call be it the Ryan Care. It, you, you first heard it here. We're calling it Ryan Care. Go. Okay. In Ryan Care, they uh, the the stick is if you have a break in your coverage of sixty three days or more. Then when you sign back up, you have to pay an extra 30% of premiums for 12 months. So if you were going to have $100 a month premiums, if you've had break in your coverage, then your premiums will be 130%. The insurance company still has to cover any pre-existing conditions you have that you arrive with, but you're paying more for 12 months. So let me get this straight. We've already got a group of people who have shown that maintaining continuous coverage, for whatever reason, is not either something they care or are able to do, right? Yes. And we're going to say to those people, we're going to make it even harder for you to get your insurance back. Is that is that the plan? <laughs> yes. I mean, if your reason for not buying it is truly that you cannot afford it. What other reason adding, would there be? Uh, you're young and healthy and think you don't need it. Right. Well, can't afford it or don't don't. It's not a cost priority to you either way. To make something more expensive to someone who didn't pay, want to pay for it in the first place, that's like saying, ah, you don't want to buy my Brussels sprouts at a dollar a pound. How about we charge you $2 a pound? Now it you is really like saying them. That. That's the dumbest so thing I ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, well, the the whole point of both Obamacare and this new law is to prevent people from falling out at all, right? They're basically like, oh, if we have these penalties or whatever, then people will just keep their insurance, which just isn't true. People are going to fall out. People are going to fall out. And both laws really depend, insurance in general really depends on people who don't need the benefit paying for people who do need the benefit. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's not a Ponzi scheme. That's different. Um, But you're paying for coverage for really for uh, they need healthy people in the market is what i'm trying to say but this new law does not offer anything that is going to really convince a young person to get on insurance a young person has so many expenses in their lives you give them let's say like a $2000 refundable tax credit you think they're spending that on insurance no they're going to wait till they get sick be- and then they're going to sign up for insurance once you fall out for 63 days because the penalty will hit you no matter what, there's no incentive to sign up until you need the insurance. Right. It's actually, I think, a disincentive. And that's why um, if that's why insurance companies had no pre-existing. They, insurance companies aren't stupid. Um, they recognize that there is a, a um, perverse incentive to wait to purchase insurance until you actually need it. Um, now, in the automobile uh, in, insurance industry, the The state law says you shall not drive your car unless you have insurance. And if you do, in the state of Nevada, for a first offense, there is a $1,000 fine. For a second offense, it's a $2,000 fine. And for a third offense, it's a $3,000 fine, and you lose your license for 90 days. Um, That's a very draconian penalty, and the reason why is because you people people buy insurance. Um, And uh, unless the stick is big enough and powerful enough, you're not going to keep people insured like you need to unless you have a pre-existing uh, condition barrier. 
And yeah. so what Ryan Care fails to do is change any of the perverse incentives that Obamacare created by taking away the pre-existing condition limitation. So Yeah. And and yeah, like I Obamacare has this very similar problem. The stick in Obamacare, which was this tax penalty at the end of the year, um, just was not big enough to convince. I think for a young, healthy person, it would be like five or six hundred dollars a year or something like that, which is way lower than their premiums would have been. And then my final comment is the commonalities between the two laws. There's nothing to control costs like from a foundational standpoint, our cost problem for healthcare is just completely unaddressed by this law. So I, I kind of agree with all of the critics. I don't really see how this is much of an improvement. It will probably save the government some money. Um, well, by cutting down on the Medicare and Medicaid enrollment, not Medicare. Medicare is not going anywhere. Sorry about that, folks. Medicaid <laughs> enrollment. Um, they'll certainly save some money, but that'll just be a cost that gets passed on to to you and me and everyone else who. Uh, uses medical service providers because they'll jack up their prices to cover the uninsured visit to the emergency room. So in my mind, it's a wash. And I also predict the Tea Partiers, Ryan Care is going to pick up and the Tea Partiers will call it Rhino Care. Oh, (laughs) you heard it here first. (laughs) Rhino Care. Rhino Care coming up. I'm not thrilled with the law. I I feel like we need some a fundamental re look looking again at what our healthcare system is, but that's hard to do. But anyway, you now that now you understand better what the law is, what the debates are, and uh, hopefully whatever your opinion is on this matter, you can uh, get involved. Call your congressperson and tell him you don't like uh, Ryan Care. Tell him you don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't like Ryan Care, but I also don't like Obamacare. So there you go. Yeah, we need some cost control. Let's stick it to the insurers. Take let's talk the about street. the ladies. And now let's talk about the ladies taking it to the street. So, um, uh, Isaac, uh, President Obama uh, famously is or is not a jerk to ladies. Oh, gosh. Ew, that's hard. Let me rack my brain here. I said Trump. I mean, Trump. I think... President Trump. You said President Obama. Oh, I'm sorry. No, President Obama loves the ladies. I mean, Michelle's awesome. Uh, and, and the ladies has, love him. And the ladies love him. And he's got two lovely... Whatever you think about him, his daughters seem like two lovely individuals uh, who seem to be absolutely delightful. President Trump famously has what sorts of attitudes towards women? Uh, well, uh, given his uh, statements, given video of him from the past, uh, given things that he has bragged about doing to females, to women, I, I would say he has a troubled relationship with the women folk right and he's been married and divorced i think three times and every time he gets older and the new wife gets younger um so he has a troubled history with women well women are aware of this or some women at least are aware of this some some women don't care and they love him um but some women mainly living on the east and west coast of these united states really don't like president trump and so uh they had they organized uh, a a women's strike the idea is no women go to work no women uh, do any work in the home, no no housekeeping, uncompensated work. And instead of doing those things, uh, women uh, instead get together and rally. Um, yeah, it was supposed to be, what would the world be like without women? And then they were disappointed when the men all disappeared into the living room and turned on <laughs> video games and just like ate Cheetos for, th- for, for a day. Frito-Lay's uh, market share went way up. <laughs> And played, uh, gosh, I'm trying to like think of a first-person shooter video game that all my coworkers are playing these days. <laughs> Halo, uh, Titanfall. Um, no, those are all old. Uh, Overwatch, Overwatch. Maybe, yeah, one? Overwatch yeah. is a big one right now. 
Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what happened. No, that's not what happened. Um, I actually learned about the women's strike uh, from my wonderful secretary who said, oh, hey, I just got a message. The women's strike is tomorrow. And I said, oh? And and she said, yeah. Um, and I said, what's that? And she said, I don't know, like women's striking. And I said, whatever for? And she said, I'm not entirely clear. And um, and then uh, she said, so I think I might be sick tomorrow. And I said, well, <laughs> you may be sick several days after that as well then. And she said, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. And I said, I'll see you tomorrow. Um, and we went on to talk about it. And she, she, and she hates Trump with the passion of her soul. But she pointed out that why would she go on strike where she's sat at, at least to me, to my face at least, she was satisfied, satisfied with her job and, and happy to be there. And, and that's really the problem, right? There was no strong, like if President Trump had announced rules that, um, oh, I don't know, women have to pay for their own contraception now or um, all women will be uh, deported uh, to a, an island in the South Pacific or something like that. Okay, let's go on strike. But, but nothing, the Trump administration has done a surprisingly little uh during uh, the last month and a half, and they've done basically nothing that generally affects all women. So there was nothing to strike over, and as a result, um, there were a few uh, rallies on the on the left coasts in California and Virginia and Boston um, and New York City, uh, where like forty people showed up and carried around signs, <laughs> or that could have just been like a get together to go eat lunch at you know, Applebee's or something like that. It was unclear given the number of participants who showed up. Uh, but in outside of the coast, it basically nothing happened. And yeah, in my workplace, we have lots of women who work there and I didn't notice any of them missing. Although, yeah, I don't, it's possible that one was, and I assumed they were out for personal reasons and they were out to strike, but or it, at it seems a little, so I think it was mostly inspired by this day without immigrants that happened. Which got um, huge attendance, and it got huge attendance, and is a much. You, let's 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 set aside for a second whether or not this is an effective tactic. Um, whatever. Uh, the day without immigrants is a much more clever protest, simply because it, like, it directly addresses this problem where Trump is trying to deport more immigrants, and so this question of like, well, what would the world be like without immigrants is at least a poignant question. It prescient. Right? I mean, it's it's something it's, it's, present. Yeah. It's it's pressure, and it relates directly to policy things that Trump is trying to do. Um, whereas a day without women is essentially constructing the straw man. Like nobody's like, man, I wish there were no women around. No, right? I mean we like, we all love women. Dads, women are dad approved. Well, you know, they're dad approved. They're very much dad approved. It's it is very hard to be dad without woman. I, um, I dare say it might be impossible. It is impossible. So. To basically be like, oh, what would it be like if there are no women? Well, no one's saying, no one's saying that we don't want there to be women. And and as for, you know, the left loves to basically frame any attack on their values as attacks on women. You know, if there's if there's an if there's any change in contraceptive policy, if there's any change in abortion rights, it's basically like there's a war on women. Well, not and exactly. There, I, I know there's a lot of women who f feel that way, but I also know a lot of women who very strongly agree with all of those policies, who don't want the government providing contraception, who don't want the government providing, uh, for, who don't want the, supporting abortion or su providing money to any institutions that perform abortions. Right. right. 
And I think so. One of the things that the and and we're moving into the realm of mansplaining or dadsplaining, and so I apologize oh, for true. that. But one of the things that you hear from the left is I'm more than just my uterus, and it's like right, women are more than just a uterus. So these reproductive policies, um, they they affect women in different ways because women have different interests, different political, just like men. I mean, they're they're in politically i think uh, at least women can have diverse opinions just like men can but yes the, the other issue is this was supposed to be a strike about the un, unfair and, and unequal pay and work conditions for women across industries and and i agree that that's a complicated and complex issue that needs to be solved um but a strike with 40 people outside of trump tower in new york city is probably not going to move yeah that this is forward. this is the moment in the podcast where we probably should have had a woman on to talk i invited uh, my wife a little i did i invited i invited mary um and she said dave it's 5 30 in the morning i don't want to be on your podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh she doesn't know the fame she's missing out on uh she has a pretty good idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's this is just to say that no one expects men to be of a single mind on basically any issue. And it seems absurd to me that we basically expect women to act as a sort of cohesive block. It's just too big of a cross section of America or, or of a, just of a populace to make many, many right. claims I on mean, it. I think Trump won the white woman vote, didn't he? He did. Yeah. yeah he won so the white woman vote. I'm sure they may be having second thoughts like the rest of us, but... He, he at least, you know, six months ago won that vote. So anyway, uh, and Isaac, uh, you know what time it is? It's, I think it's time for dad news. Dad news! Dad news! Oh, man, I can do that little singing a lot better when my voice is warmed up and it's not five, five. six a.m. Yeah. <laughs> um, <ahead>. Okay. <laughs> so dad news. As, as you know, Dave, this is a family-friendly and kid-friendly podcast. Uh, usually, yeah. But no, not it always today. Is. No, it, it still is. Uh, this is just a quick, quick warning that we are going to the dad news relates to marital relations. Is this a trigger? Will... Is this a trigger warning? No, yeah. <laughs> I don't think children can be triggered by this um, if they don't know. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So the dad news relates to marital relations, which we are going to discuss in very respectful and vague terms, but. Uh, it's still going to be discussed, so if your children are not aware of the ways of this world, then, eh, you know, you're warned. Okay, news item this week, Dave. It basically said that uh, one of the ways to find some success at work uh, is to have a good sex life with your partner. The morning of? Or just and in general? That, just in general. Mm. Just in general. Those who have regular intimate relations with their partner are... Uh, more successful at work, they I think they make more money and receive more promotions and are more satisfied with their job. In other news, trees grow in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, they're like... I've been making this argument happy, for years, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're happy, you'll do well at work. Well, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, but I think uh, the actual interesting... Um, uh, finding from this study is okay and i'll preface this by saying studies have long shown and it's kind of um, a truism that people in committed long-term relationships i.e married relationships uh, tend to have more and at least self-reported more satisfying uh sexual relationships with their partner than those who are unattached which may, which makes sense you know um sure yeah you have someone you love and you're comfortable with and uh you have a home together the and birds and the bees are you gonna know? hang out more often um, 
is that really a good euphemism? Anyway, um, and so that that that, that seems almost like uh, empirically true um, without a study. But the thing that was interesting, which you pointed out in our show notes, is that um, another study, other than the one about job satisfaction, shows that married and um, well, Americans across the board are having less sex than they used to, and married couples are having the sharpest drop overall. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. So it was that was surprising to the researchers and uh, surprising to me too. So I don't know. Yeah. And Fix it. When when we when we were uh, talking uh, prior to the show, or actually in our in our first do, uh, you mentioned that you posit that the rise of Netflix. Um, may explain this. Um, so apparently people are just watching Netflix and not chilling. Yeah, um, and we, we had a discussion. I, it's unfortunate that we lost our first recording on this, but due to technical difficulties. My but, technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> my, yeah, my, my position basically is that increased screen time is uh, making it harder for spontaneity to occur, which I think many people would agree spontaneity is crucial to a romantic process. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and I disagreed at first, but um, w- well, I think you said Netflix. And, and I did say Netflix. So I, I have I have modified my position to be the rise in screen time. It's yeah. basically like this: twenty five years ago, you're sitting there in the evening. Uh, Maybe you watched a show on CBS or some network channel. And it's 8 o'clock now or 9 it's o'clock. It's 8 o'clock. It's, it's over. And, and you're kind of just milling around. Spontaneous things happen. Fast forward to 2017. What you're doing now is you're both sitting on your phones, scrolling through, Facebook. looking at Facebook, yeah. blah, 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 not talking to each other. And I think that account... I'm, now, look, the drop was not sharp. It was something like um, 25 years ago, the average couple had relations like 63 times a year. I think is what it said. And now relations, relations. That's the euphemism you choose. Dave, I (laughs) have freedom to choose. (laughs) Keep going. I'm sorry. Okay, fine. Uh, 25 years ago, people got down (laughs) 54 times a year. And now they get down like 50 something times a year. I don't know. It was not a huge drop, but I do think, and other studies have shown that screen time reduces that. So another reason to not be sucked into your phone well, the, while you're at home. The funny thing is, uh, when I was in, so Facebook came out while we were in college. Like we joined. Did you join in college? I did not actually. Oh, okay. I was a long holdout. I didn't join till several years after. Interesting. Okay, so I joined. I, I was actually on a political campaign. I was running a campaign for uh, someone down in Phoenix. Uh, running. I didn't say I was running for a campaign. I was running door to door knocking doors is what I was doing. Anyway, and uh, a couple of the gals uh, that were uh, with us uh, were talking about this Facebook thing. And I was like, what's that? And they said, well, it's this social network. And I was like, nah, that sounds dumb. But then one of them said, well, I'm on it and I'll be your friend. And she was cute. So I joined. And so Facebook for me was a means of trying to get dates. And I think it kind of ironic that at least according to the study that you're discussing, Facebook has now become a means to keep you from getting, air quote, <laughs> dates, um, dates with your spouse. Uh, yeah. So I think I think that's kind of funny. And uh, people who know me know I'm not particularly active on Facebook. So um, maybe it doesn't matter for me. I don't know. Well, I think this, you and I are both aware of, I think, the issues that it can cause in your life to be overly addicted to the internet. And I think that it does cut down on all types of intimacy, yeah. not just marital, marital relations. Yeah. Like, but it's just, you know, like- Time with, yeah, times with your kids, times with your friends. So 
I am trying to make a really active study in my life right now to decrease the amount of screen time that I have uh, apart from work, like when I'm at home, try not to be on my phone. And it's been great, actually. And so this is just another piece of evidence to say, get off the dang phone when you're at home, uh, turn off the television, talk, hang out. Be close to the people that you love. Yep. And very close to the people you really love. I think that uh, (laughs) is a good place to end it. I think we'd better. All right, man. Have a good day. That'll do it for today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by emailing podcast at dadsdothenews.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Dads Do the News. And thank you for joining us. Mona and Melly got eaten by the lava monster. No, they didn't. <laughs>